people told me I couldn't do a lot of things. I feel like I'm the chosen one. Look at this. We created this. This didn't exist before we were here. All we are is proud and passionate. I love Toronto. I love this team. And we're going to the Let's Nothing matters but winning. Welcome back to episode 43 of Rapsville Weekly. I'm your co-host, Gabriel. Here with my other co-host, Adam Kasucci. And today we are going to be covering the NBA draft. Before we start, we wanted to thank everybody for the love and the support for the last episode. We are currently at 425 views as of recording this. That's absolutely crazy. Insane. Huge improvement from our other videos. So thank you everyone that watched that and uh, interacted on the page. We love to hear your comments and opinions uh, in the comment section down below. So make sure to do that and like and subscribe as always. So without further ado, today we're going to be talking about the NBA draft top five picks around there, along with the Raptors picks and who they might sign and who I guess we're looking at, some interesting pieces that could fall to us. So to start off, we looked at NBADraft.net for the top five specifically, and the top five has Anthony Edwards going first to Minnesota, LaMelo Ball going second to Golden State, James Wiseman going third to Charlotte, Onyeka Okongu going fourth to Chicago, and Obi Toppin going fifth to Cleveland. And in uh, comparison, ESPN had an article for perfect picks for every team in the first round. Number one was LaMelo Ball. Number two was James Wiseman. Number three was Okongwu. Number four was Anthony Edwards. And five was Tyrese Halliburton. And they had Obi Toppin fall to the seventh pick. So uh, pretty interesting start here. Uh, honestly, I can give my take first. I think that Anthony Edwards is a good pick for Minnesota. They already have Cat going center, so they're not going to pull towards James Wiseman, or like they shouldn't really. So I, I know a lot of people aren't predicting that. So I see Anthony Edwards going the top pick. I think he would be a good fit there. And then James Wiseman to Golden State would be another huge pick. Obviously, Golden State already has Curry and Clay. They always could use a solid big man, especially coming out of the draft, someone young. I think Wiseman would be a good pick for them there. And then Charlotte, Chicago. Uh, from there, it could swing either way for me between LaMelo and Okongwu. I think that they both could – I think Charlotte specifically actually probably would uh, value a big man even more considering they got the rise of uh, Graham and Chicago has Larry Markkinen. Maybe they could use the guard in LaMelo Ball, uh, but they do have other guards themselves, so kind of interesting. For me, the discrepancy is I don't think LaMelo Ball is the first round, uh, first overall pick. We kind of saw – the hype that surrounded his brother Lonzo and then how Lonzo turned out. Don't get me wrong. Uh, before the draft started, I, I liked Lonzo. I loved the way he played. I was a fan of him and the family. I watched them a lot. I, I believe the hype was real. And then all of a sudden he couldn't shoot a basketball when he got to the NBA, which, you know, a lot of players fall to that. It's not just him. There's many uh, people that go near the top that are quote unquote bust, but he is really good passer, playmaker, defensive player, IQ. Like he, Bring some value to a team. The jump shot just needs to be improved upon. Well, Lamello, he's starting now. He, he is pretty yeah. starting now with with uh, the Pelicans, yeah. and uh, yeah, getting more minutes. I feel like he's getting more more reps uh, and taking more shots. And I feel like he's got the, that new form that he's uh, working with. Working, yeah. yeah. I, I just think that Lamelo, he's believed to be even more hype, and his jump shot's supposed to be better and a full offensive threat. A little bit taller too, but he is skinnier. Um, probably obviously less mature than his brother. I'm just not too sure on what the hype's going to be with him. I don't know the most, and uh, I don't know if he's going to live up to the potential. I feel like it could be similar where it's a lot of hype, and then he gets here, and he just gets bully-balled, and he's not used to it and needs some time to adjust. 
But who knows? Maybe he comes in and he's shooting like Curry and people respect him for how good he is. I, I honestly, you can't really say till you see it happen. I'm just weary that it's going to be the same as the Lonzo situation. So uh, I think maybe the NBA is aware of that. And they even probably have problems with LeVar and that whole family and like, you know, all the controversy around them that they might, Minnesota specifically, they're a small town organization, might take the simple route and go Anthony Edwards first. Uh, before we get into like details about stats and stuff, Adam, what do you think for your top five? Okay, so looking at the top of the list uh, for Minnesota having the first pick, I'm thinking Anthony Edwards. Um, as you said, um, I feel that Minnesota does need a shooting guard, small forward um, that they've been they they've honestly been missing um, with Cat as their their star player uh, as their big man and uh, D'Angelo Russell in the point guard position. Uh, I feel like they need a guy um, in the in the forwards position, either a power forward, small forward, or, or shooting guard even. Um, to kind of balance that out. And I feel like he would be the, I think, the safest bet for Minnesota to go with. Um, second, um, I'm also thinking LaMelo Ball. Um, I really like NBA Draft.net's uh, predictions. I think they were spot on with it. I okay. think um, LaVar Ball uh, wants, wants LaMelo uh, to go to Golden State, I feel, um, to, to be behind guys like Curry and Klay Thompson, even though he won't get um, as much minutes as he would probably like. Um, he would probably get uh, the most growth uh, out of that organization, especially uh, uh, being with Steve Kerr, a uh, great coach of, of his uh, level. And then third, um, Charlotte, James Wiseman. Um, they obviously do not ha- have a great big man um, lined up in that organization. Um, I think Michael Jordan will uh, want James Wiseman um, to play for Charlotte. Um, being uh, that big, but he only played three games in uh, in college, so I don't know how uh, how that's going to turn out. But hope he plays well. He does have a lot of hype around him. Seven one, uh, big center. That's um, Fourth, I have Obi Toppin uh, for uh, for Chicago. Um, okay. They're another team that's missing that small forward uh, wing position player, and I think Obi Ta- uh, Obi Toppin will fit uh, right into that with uh, Laurie Markkinen, as you said, and Wendell Carter Jr being uh, the two potential uh, big men uh, that could be playing for Chicago in the future. And uh, Cleveland, I have uh, Onyeka Ugonku um, as, as their big man who they're picking up uh, for Garland and Sexton as the guards and having him as the center. I think that's a pretty interesting take there. Like you said before, Wiseman, it's going to be interesting seeing what happens with him. Uh, the reason he, did, he was injured at the beginning during the preseason time, and then after that, the NCAA ruled him ineligible to play because there was rumors that his coach gave him money to help for moving expenses and stuff. And that kind of breaches some of their violations and he wasn't allowed to return. So like you said, scouting is going to be kind of difficult. Um, obviously there's hype around him. We've seen him. He looks athletic. He looks dangerous as a big man and people are going to be interested, but there's not the most information on the more of the professional level, like college leading up to that, where the t- competition gets harder. You kind of have lef- less of that to reference. Lamelo is interesting because he has been going overseas for a bit last yeah. season in the N- NBL Australia league. He averaged 17 points a game, seven assists and uh, almost eight rebounds. So yeah, pretty he, solid numbers for him. I would want to ask you a question. Do you think the, that international level um the NBL in Australia would be um, as, as hard of competition um, yeah. as like the NCAA competition? Do you think that there's a comparison there? Which one do you think is better? And uh, if so, uh, how do you think LaMelo Ball would have done in NCAA basketball? 
it's it's honestly very hard to compare the two because you think any type of uh, Europe league, like basketball, even Doncic coming from that uh, that league, it's it's professional basketball where you're versing probably grown men or maybe even like college athletes, just a wide variety of players, professional players. It can be very different from NCAA where you have college guys, some being very inexperienced, um, some being like the one and dones and others being four-year veterans. I think they're just two different experiences to compare, very hard to compare because of the college atmosphere, the serious level of coaching and the way that it's built up to prepare you for the NBA compared to being dumped in professional basketball. And maybe, who knows, that could be the advantage for LaMelo that he has some professional experience against grown men and tough components and seasoned players that he's playing against. Maybe that'll help him out. But then again, you never know what his dad's going to say to alter people's minds because he's already been running his mouth a little bit um, of where he wants him to go. And he was even talking him down. Wouldn't he say he wanted the Knicks to pick him up? So who knows? He could fall out of the top five position. I forgot to mention – sorry, hold on. I forgot to mention for my pick that Obi Toppin, I had him at five as well. He's obviously a fantastic player as well. He averaged 20 points a game this last season at uh, Dayton School. Uh, 7.5 assists as like a powered forward, pretty much 6'9 big man. Uh, can shoot the ball decently well, 39% from three. It's not too bad in his uh, rookie season, or sorry, his first year, sorry. Um, he, he scored 52% from three, but he shot much less. Now he's trying to expand his game a little bit. I think he's a good scorer and a solid player all around. That definitely yeah. is going to be interesting for teams to pick up. Yeah, and I just wanted to bring back uh, on your point uh, on LeVar. I think he wanted... Um... Lamelo to go to the Knicks, uh, obviously to get more minutes and uh, to see uh, playing time. And he, I think he would get his uh, the biggest value outcome um, after the first season if he did play for a team like the Knicks or a bottom feeder of the NBA. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it, with Golden State, he will be developed the best. And I think that's that's uh, an important thing that Lavar has to kind of consider that his son will will be developed best in an organization like Golden State, who have been experienced, been there. Uh, he has veteran players around him who can show him the way. It all depends on what you value. The problem is LeVar Ball kind of gets caught up in the ego and he yeah. wants his sons to be the biggest names um, yeah. when sadly they might have to be back at the back seat when they are so far into their career. Lonzo coming in at the second pick, you expected high hopes from him giving a starting position, but then he underperformed and there was a big problem there. He mm-hmm. kind of wants LaMelo to be the same thing. Come up pretty high, go for like a bottom seater where he can be the star player, like RJ, like Trey Young, guys that come in and are instantly started and get a lot of minutes and perform well. But the problem with those guys is that they haven't seen a playoffs and the team underperforms. So do you want that for your son? He can perform well, but his team might not get anywhere for a while. If you put him on Golden State, this guy's going to make the playoffs and um, he can prove himself on serious stages where maybe where it matters more, but he'll be getting the pay cuts and stuff. So it depends on what you value. And LeVar Ball is going to obviously taint his son's image a little bit and going to affect what his son chooses or where he ends up. Yeah, but I think he thinks he thinks uh, in that in that way um, because they've been, uh, Lonzo, uh, for example, he's been such a big star at UCLA and then and then LaMelo being such a big star in the NBL, the Australian League. Um, they're, yeah. They're Plus big social stars, media. <laughs> yeah, they're big stars outside the NBA, uh, right? So once they move into the NBA, um, they're kind of like on the, the lower scale uh, of, of the hype and uh, yeah. they aren't aren't talked about as much, right? So I think he has to kind of think that out and kind of adjust to NBA is the biggest basketball league in the world. The best competition is there. So he has to understand that, right? So, yeah. So just a couple other points, I guess, for Anthony Edwards to give you his stats, 19 points a game in his one season at Georgia. 
pretty solid five rebounds a game, 2.8 assists, 1.3 steals. Um, pretty effective player, 6'5", uh, 225. The guy's definitely got some size on him for that uh, position. Uh, decent scoring threat, but something that I do notice is that he could improve that three ball. It's kind of struggling right now, 29% from three, and he did take a lot of them. He took 7.7 threes a game. So to shoot 29%, um, yeah. maybe he just got unlucky this season because to shoot that many, I'm, I'm guessing you're pretty confident in your shot-making abilities. So maybe he just struggled this season and he'll bounce, it, bounce back and his shooting stroke will just prove to get better over time. But uh, I think this player can do a lot of great things on the court. He can do it all. And I just want to put him at the number one position because I think the LaMelo thing, it gets distracted with LeVar and the hype outside of basketball world. And I think Wiseman won't fit the number one position. So I think Edwards will fit up there. But honestly, what I've noticed is that the draft boards, specifically mock drafts, they just vary like dramatically between who goes first, who goes fifth, yeah. all the way down the – once you get out of the lottery especially – it's all over the place. You could be a, yeah. uh, a 20th pick or you could be the 40th pick. And on different draft boards, you're, you're switched around. Especially so this year, so too. To yeah, especially this year because there's a lack of uh, display, lack of workouts. Even the, the basketball seasons in college were cut a little bit short. So mm-hmm. it, you, like, you didn't have the full um, NCAA tournament, March Madness finish out. So everything was kind of cut down and you lose track of who all these players are, these big names. So all the players that we're going to mention now for the Raptors – are still very different and there's a bunch of different prospects that have been named or that we've interviewed because it's just dramatically changing. Some people even said Obi Toppin could go first. And honestly, yeah. who knows? There's just so much talk. You don't know who's going to go where. But to move on to uh, the Raptors stuff, for NBA draft board in the NBA draft.net, sorry, Toronto's pick that we had for 29th was Malachi Flynn. He is a 6'2 point guard, 185 pounds from San Diego State. Yeah. Uh, this kid's pretty interesting. He transferred here, a 2018-2019 season, he transferred over. Originally, he was at Washington, then he went to San Diego. But at San Diego, he, got, he averaged 17.6 points per game, 5 assists, 4.5 rebounds, and 1.8 steals. I think that's a fantastic number. He's shooting pretty decent, 44% from the field, 37% from three. Could improve upon, but still well. Uh, what I found from him is that he takes uh, great shots and... He finds open teammates, which is what I like. His ball handling has been proven to be good, and he makes good decisions with the basketball. Also, quick hands, which I think is huge because of that 1.8 steals a game. Yeah. And the thing with these guys, it depends who leaves. If Is Freddie going to come back and return for us? Is Marcus Saul going to say his time's up with us and we'll let him go? Or is maybe Serge going to leave? No one really knows just yet. So the draft is going to be interesting depending on what people want to do. And the problem is that you're not going to really know. So you might have to prepare for let's take a point guard, let's take a a center just in case anybody leaves in those positions. So here he kind of looks similar. If if, uh, he's got good, I think, playmaking ability, good defending ability with those quick hands, he is undersized. He kind of fits some of the mold that we've had so far, but I'm not too sure if he's going to be the best player for us. Uh, He was a consensus second team, all American in 2020 uh, mountain West player of the year and first-team All-Mountain West, and Mountain West Defensive Player of the Year. So I think Defensive Player of the Year is fantastic. You know, we love our defense on the Raptors, so he could be an interesting player to look at. And just want to mention uh, something with these little guards um, that we're going to look, uh, be looking at next as well. Um, their weight is is usually a, a lot, uh, well, for sure a lot lighter um, than they would be at the NBA level. 
Yeah, bulking um, up. And because I think they will hit the, the weight room uh, for sure um, in the NBA facilities and stuff, and they will uh, gain weight as well. Not saying that, that the weight is a problem, but at the highest level, um, people are very strong, obviously, um, yeah. in the NBA, and, uh, and they're very physical. So uh, I'm sure they would have to adjust to that. But uh, all these players, I think, will do an okay job at doing that. Funny you say that because that ties into the next one. We're dealing with a little bit of a bone rack here. We got uh, Tyrell Terry from Stanford. He's a freshman, 6'3", 160 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's putting me on the court, but you're adding like five <laughs> inches to me. So there's a, there's a little bit of a, I think a problem there with, with the weight. But he is a, what I believe to be a sharp shooting point guard. So clearly the offense is his goal there, but the defense will be killer. And he could be someone, I guess, like a Matt Thomas off the bench scoring-wise, uh, J.J. Redick. But the problem with those guys is that they get attacked on defense the because they're so skinny. Yeah, because yeah. they're small and skinny. What we have from him is that he played 31 games, averaged 14.6 points, uh, 41% from three. Yeah, that's very solid numbers, yeah. obviously. Three assists, 4.5 boards, 89% from free throw. So this guy's obviously a great shooter in all regards. Um, very focused player with great maturity and advanced offensive skill set is what was said about him. Quick and consistent shooting motion. I'm starting to think Duncan Robinson here chucking him up yeah. off the catch and shoot. The problem with that, though, is that you saw Duncan Robinson. He was getting absolutely annihilated by the refs during this playoffs, and they were calling everything against him. So I don't think we necessarily want that. But we could use an offensive a sharpshooter. We only have too many of them on our team. Um, rarely forces up bad shots. I think that's big for us is that we, it's Yumi especially, we don't like when guys take bad shots. We've seen enough of it over the past couple of uh, seasons with certain players. We always talk about T. Ross. <laughs> we, don't want to get into, we don't want to get into that again. We've done it a couple times, the bad uh, shooting mentality. Um, last episode, we kind of got reamed over it, but we mentioned Pascal had really bad shot selection in the playoffs of last year. So we don't want people forcing up bad shots. That's good that he avoids those. He says he has a great feel for the game, great passing ability. Makes his teammates better. That's what I like there is I like when guards especially know how to get their offensive rolling and they get their whole team involved, make, pe- making people better. Shows an excellent understanding of the pick and roll. That's our bread and butter. You got either surge yeah. running it. Mark, that's really all we can try getting him involved for, sadly. We know Freddie and Kyle like to use that, so it's good if we have another guy that's really um, understands the pick and roll offense. And it says he can facilitate, which is good. Sees plays before it happens. Great vision. We like that. Obviously, we know the shooting stroke is insane and solid foot speed and quickness. That's, I guess, where the lack of weight is coming from, that speed. Um, but it says, what I like here is that despite lack of strength, he plays with toughness, has sneaky athleticism, has a fearless demeanor and competitive player who plays with fire and passion. Being especially undersized in terms of strength and even height, you need to have that um, yeah. competitive nature, that toughness, even when your body doesn't show it and the fearless demeanor, competitive we like that. And obviously, like we're harping upon here, the weight is the biggest problem for him. It's been mentioned. He struggles facing physical opponents because they're so big. And they've also noticed that his assist to turnover number was kind of bad, 3.2 to 2.6. And he needs to work a little bit on his isolation game. But as a freshman, um, he did win Freshman All-America, All-Pac-12 honors, All-Pac-12 freshman. So he does have some awards. And I think that he could be interesting to take. Okay, now moving on to Odoko Azubike. Okay, (laughs) butcher the guy's name. Sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Try it again. Try it again. (laughs) Okay, bro. Udoka Azub Azub. Okay, bro. (laughs) One more, one more. Okay, one more time. One more time. Let's try it back. Okay. 
So moving on next to the Kansas center, Udoka Azubike. Um, this was a very interesting option um, for the Raptors. Obviously, this can be used if Marcus Sol um, or Serge Ibaka leaves. Um, I don't know if Nick Nurse, um, honestly, um, will like. Um, he doesn't. He isn't uh, the best shooter, uh, shooting 44% from the line um, and not shooting a, a great percentage from the field. Um, he is very big at seven feet and, uh, and possessing an elite seven, seven wingspan and he's extremely That's, long. So he's a very yeah, physical, yeah. um, athletic center at 280 pounds. So he's probably one of the biggest centers, uh, in the draft. And but he did, he did lean up a little bit. I know yeah. he cut some weight down to 260 of lean muscle, but still yeah. a big guy. And by the way, the 44% was in his last season. If we look at the average of his, uh, college career, 42% from the field, just kind <laughs> Yeah. Just gonna throw that in there. Free throw, sorry, free throw. His size, honesty, and length uh, give him immediate tr- trans- uh, transatable skills uh, like rebounding and the ability to defend at the rim, um, like we see with rim protectors in the NBA. Um, I don't think you'll have problems with uh, the, the physical uh, part of the NBA. Yeah. Uh, the, the 2020 combine, he measured a freakish 37 inch max standing vertical. So he can get up big. there for the big guy. That's big. <laughs> <laughs> his his size and spring will uh, render him at uh, the very least a plus rim defender in the NBA. Yeah, uh, with the potential team. to be elite, maybe like a Clint Capella. I'm thinking of or someone okay. a bit heavier, but that's Mitchell actually Robinson. pretty good. Yeah, um, he's very effective uh, guarding the entire paint area. So obviously, because of his physical abilities, he's long, um, he's big, um, extremely effective in in one on one post matchup. So obviously, he doesn't get pushed around. He stands stands his ground. Um, and I'm sure he uh, he did, does great uh, in a one-on-one scenario. I'm thinking Joel Embiid attacking him yeah. in next season, and him trying to guard that. But I do, know, <laughs> but also like there's not that many players that go to that. Remember, Joel Embiid talked about it on JJ Reddick's podcast. How good Marcus Saul was defending the post, and it's because there's not that many players that defend the post because not many players attack the post anymore. So his style might be a little outdated, which I'm scared about. Yep, now we'll see how, how that works into the team he gets drafted to. Um, He developed into a solid pick-and-roll defender. And I find this one um, very interesting because a lot of centers in the league struggle with this. Um, I want to pick out Ennis Cantor, uh, being one of the uh, people that that struggle with this uh, defending Mm. pick-and-roll. Even Marcus Sol, we saw in the playoffs, uh, didn't do a great job of defending the pick-and-roll, even though he knows what he's supposed to do. Um, I think the athleticism and the foot speed um, didn't give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, He's an extremely effective finisher. Uh, with the length and uh, and girth to be a high-level pick and roll target um, and finisher at the rim at the NBA level. Um, and he upped his, his rebounding every season. So he's learning, um, I guess, to predict uh, where the ball's going. Um, opposite side of the rim, usually, like Dennis Rodman says, um, his work nice. ethic has been great. Um, the Kansas coach has m- mentioned as well. Uh, some of his weaknesses, um, he doesn't hold nearly as much value as uh, if he was able to stretch the floor. Like I said before with Nick Nurse, I think he likes bigs who can space the floor. And I don't know if Udoka fits that category for sure. It would have to be yeah. he'd be put into it like his own um, his own category there, and they would have to run different plays for him. Um, he's never really developed the ability uh, to hit a face up jump shot, so I'm assuming he, his form is uh, atrocious, and he doesn't really he doesn't really uh, know how to shoot a jumper, to be honest. Um, and his uh, projected failure to draw his defender away from the hoop, obviously, they can start double-teaming because once he's away from the hoop, um, he, he's Useless. not uh, effective. Yeah, not effective, can't shoot the jumper. Um, his lack of improvement as a free-throw shooter doesn't exactly paint a tra- uh, tra- trajectory of developing uh, 
even a consistent 15, uh, 15-footer. So in the NBA, usually they try to develop uh, a center who can't shoot into at least shooting the mid-range. And then maybe if you're really doing well with the mid-range, extend to the three. But uh, I don't know. For, uh, for him, it's not looking like he's a shooter, maybe just a, a pick-and-roll guy. Um, maybe eight feet, ten feet away from the basket, uh, probably yeah. can make it. But uh, other than that, I don't think so. I think that the the thing with him is that we've seen so many in the past. These big men were like, it loved everyone wanted to draft guys like this. Now with the the style of play moving away from the the, yeah. the post and moving to three point line, he's becoming a little ineffective. What I can see with guys like him is off the bench presence, uh, explosive, energetic. Uh, dunking on people aggressive when when the starters are tired. That's where I think that maybe you can force the game inside more and you could see maybe his presence being shown, but it's still going to be very hard. We talked about it last episode. We got respect for guys that can make an impact without being able to shoot a jump shot, but it is very, very, very hard. Yeah. Uh, The Raptors also interviewed a bunch of other people. Um, Gabe, if you want to mention these names here. Yeah, SMU's Isaiah Mike from Scarborough apparently had a surreal interview, and Nate Darling from the University of Delaware, supposed to be a Canadian sharpshooter. Um, these two weren't really seen on the mock draft boards, so we don't know much about them or if they're going to actually be picked up, or maybe those are just guys that are going to go undrafted we're going to look at, or with the, our second-round pick, not too sure. We're kind of focusing on the first round here. Even Desmond Bain from TCU and Arkansas's Isaiah Joe are two guys that I kind of saw around the area, but I wanted to focus on some other ones. Okay. And, uh, okay, so uh, Devin Dotson, um, another one from Kansas Jayhawks. I'm a, a sophomore, uh, 6'2", 185 pounds, point guard, um, and he spent uh, two years in college. Um, his strengths, obviously, um, a speedster, capable of pushing the ball, uh, breakneck speed. So, obviously, maybe in transition, he would be uh, yeah. a great asset. Very fast. Um, a score first point guard, so he's looking to score the ball first, which is good. Um, if he learns um, how to obviously play make at a high level, uh, he can be uh, critical and vital um, to getting guys open on the three-point line and even uh, finding their, the big man inside. Uh, understanding of getting his teammates' looks. So, like, like again, like I said, uh, drawing and kicking, um, looking to score and then kicking out. Um, he's a terror for other teams defensively, especially in transition because of his speed. Lateral speed also helps him thrive on the, def- the defensive end. So even defensively, um, great foot speed, which is, uh, which is great for a, a guard to have, um, especially like our other guards. We have Kyle and Fred. Uh, they use their, their lateral speed and maybe not the fastest in sprint speed, but their quickness to move side to side and get deflections and, and cover uh, multiple guys is great. Yeah, this guy gets it done. 1.7 steals a game. Let's not overlook that, just like the, one of the other guards we're looking at. We've got some good defensive guards here that can also score offensively. Yeah, it's great because if they they can affect the game offensively, even if they're coming off the bench, they can still provide a spark maybe uh, defensively and uh, bring some energy off the bench. Um, Effective in running the pick and roll. Um, Always great to see, like Gabe said, um, with with Serge and Kyle, obviously running that to to a great show. Um, Dotson showed a willingness to get his teammates involved. Uh, can pull up off the dribble and also explodes by defenders uh, when they play him close. So obviously using his uh, his defender and seeing what uh, how they play him um, if they're On playing the really pick close, and roll especially yeah if they get, get the get center steps space. or not yeah at the center just looking kind of figuring out the game looking to strategize and and to see what's open and what's available taking what what the defenders give him um, he uses his body very well to shield off defenders and create enough space on drives. 
um, that, that that's another great thing. Um, Fred Van Vliet does that uh, pretty well, um, creating enough uh, of space uh, for a drive uh, with his body, and uh, it's a it's, it's a great thing. Um, he has the Chicago toughness, and he's a strong competitor. Uh, Similar, like, <laughs> I can't, I, it's Fred? like Fred Van Vliet. It's really it's just like him. Yeah, it's looking um, good. Some weaknesses for him. Um, he's pretty small for an NBA point guard with a six foot one and one hundred eighty eighty five pounds uh, frame. Uh, Dodson had difficulty shooting from outside throughout his sophomore campaign. Um, uh, after shooting thirty six percent from three point range as a freshman, um, he shot thirty one percent this past season. So it kind of went down. But I feel like uh, if he gets more reps, I think he will. Uh, he will. He will yeah, he'll bounce back, and I think that number will increase. A uh, solid athlete capable of getting up for dunks on, on breakaways, but his size limits his ability. Obviously, being 6'1", um, going against taller defenders, they have a chance to block you, obviously, and yep. uh, guys with longer reach. Um, at times, loses control of the ball as a result of his, of his uh, fast-paced style of play and average just under 2.5 turnovers per game in both of his college seasons. So we don't like to see that number. Um, I'm <laughs> yeah. assuming, though, he was a main point of his team, so he, will, he was uh, touching the ball a lot. So obviously, maybe that's the reason why the turnovers are so high. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I think he's a great overall player, and uh, I want to see him in the NBA, and and hopefully uh, we can pick him up. Any thoughts yeah. on Gabe? I think that I like the fast players. We don't have too many guys that are like super quick, speedy. I like that that fast style. He looks like he's a good defender and offensive game. It looks like he has rooms to grow, especially that speed can help him. But I love the most is the guys that can understand the pick and roll defensively and offensively. I know when I watched uh, Damian Lillard in a podcast, he was talking about it, that he knows tendencies. Like the more you've been in the league, the more you understand tendencies of guys like Gobert, for example, tends to stay at home and not step on the pick. So guys like that, if you can read and be able to do the quick pull-up jump shot, or then if the defender steps blow by him, if you can do both, that makes you just very effective on the offensive end when you have a simple pick and roll offense. So I think it could be really effective that he knows how to play that game. Anyway, Zeke Nagy, 6'11", 240 pound forward. He played 32 games, um, pretty solid player, 16 points a game, 8.6 rebounds, uh, shot 76% from free throw, so a decent shooting big man for free throw, and 57% from the field. He's a lean muscle, strong, mobile big man. Uh, I like that. I like seeing a mobile big man. I think he'd be effective for us. And he is skilled enough to stretch the floor. He shot 29% from three, but I guess there could be improvement there. Um, He plays a lot of passion and intensity, which is what we love. Very solid consistency for a player of his age. Very young player in the draft. So clearly that could be an advantage because he's a lot of room to grow. Great footwork in the post. Pick and roll and pick and pop game is good, which is, you know, that's bread and butter for us. Serge Ibaka, that's basically him. So having a second guy like that would be great. They also mentioned he's an excellent rebounder due to his energy, positioning, and length, which is very solid for us. Sometimes we struggle on the rebounding this season, Mark tend to bobble the ball a little bit. So hopefully we get that, that bobbling down to a minimum. A solid 7-1 wingspan. This guy's very long, very athletic, and smooth shooting stroke. Quick first step off the dribble. I think these are all key indicators that this guy could be a really good big man for being so athletic as the league moved towards that type of big man. Great upside, one of the youngest players in the draft. I think that's the biggest thing is when you get to the NBA, it's like many jobs in the real world. They tell you what you learned in college doesn't really matter. We're going to teach you what you need to know. Same thing in the NBA. You have practice playing against these good players, but once you get to the NBA, the development is totally different. The competitions come totally different. So the more time you have to practice and develop there, the better. That's what I like. Uh, weakness, it says 
He has a limited degree of explosiveness a little bit. And ball security, 2.2 turnovers a game is not too good. Uh, so he needs to be able to control the ball better. And obviously that three ball is not the best. Below average passer, but he's a big man, so I can give him that. Uh, solid willingness to play physical. Uh, he's too lean to compete with some of the elite big men listed at 240. That's not too light, but they did mention that he needs to bulk up. He looks um, lighter than he actually is. Looks a little bit weaker than he actually is, so maybe they're going to have to improve that. I'm going to do Nico, and then we're going to get to your thoughts, Adam. So the last one is Nico Manning. Uh, Arizona freshman, 6'3", 190 pounds, point guard. Played 32 games, averaged 14 points, shot 33% from three, 39 from the field, 5.3 assists, 1.2 steals, 2.6 turnovers. This guy, we all know, uh, he had a lot of nicknames, a lot of highlight reels uh, posted on YouTube, mixed tapes. Some people are calling him the Ginger Ninja because uh, he was very crafty, skillful guard, 6'3". He could shoot the ball by the looks of it, but he did struggle a little bit in the college scene. Uh, the hype, I guess, of the social media age can have an effect on how you play, and you could be overhyped. Um, they do say that he has good shot, shot-making ability and playmaking ability, good groundwork, good fundamentals, agile, athletic, explosive, uh, likes to create offense for himself and very flashy. But sometimes what I notice is that that caused a deterioration in his play um, on the court of getting his teammates to be open and he might force stuff that's too uh, hard to score instead of just playing the easier options. He's most effective in the mid range, good taking shots off dribble, good technique while shooting. Um, and he's basically a highly touted five-star recruit. Uh, and his father pace Manning was a five-year NBA vet. So that means good genes. He probably is respected and he could be a good player because he has that father in the NBA who was in the NBA. But there's a lot of stuff that people have noticed about him that, He's a good playmaker, but he shows relatively high basketball IQ, but sometimes he will bail out the defense on the defensive end by taking difficult shots or playing hero basketball, which is high school scene. That's what you're good for. That's what people know you for, but not necessarily on the college level. He does have some maturing to do in his decision-making, and although his shot looks nice, his numbers weren't that good, kind of inconsistent, needs to get better. He's more than an adequate athlete by NBA standards, but he won't blow anyone away with his speed or explosiveness. And he has a hard time defending bigger guards. So defense seems to be a problem. Maybe a bit of the hype could be a problem for him. On one uh, website, I did find that we were drafting him on this mock draft. But I don't think we are going to look for someone like him. I think too much hype, not enough of a solid all-around consistent player. And I think just maybe too much overhype, really. Adam, what do you think? Um, I think I think he would be an okay pickup for us. But I do think the guards... Um that we have interviewed um, would be uh, would better suit our organization in terms of uh, defense first and kind of uh, and kind of the grit and mentality. Um, it would be nice to see if we can if um, the scouts can visually uh, see the players. Um, like you said, Gabe, uh, it's it's obviously a struggle this year uh, with COVID not being able to see the players and have an actual meeting face to face, like uh, the, the G League coach uh, Jama has said. Um, and yeah, I think I think Nico is a great player. I don't think he suits our team. Uh, Zeke, on the other hand, um, I do think he suits our team. Uh, being kind of a, uh, a kind of comparison to Ibaka, um, and I think he could learn well off of him. And I think yeah, to keep it short, I think uh, he's a great player for us. Yeah, I think my favorites out of this is Zeke Nagy for his ability at his young age. I think is really cool. Devin Dotson, I like the speed on that guy. I think he's 
uh, really good as well. And then maybe my last one might be Malachi Flynn. Uh, the other ones, there is a little bit like the weight of problem or the defensive ability or not being able to shoot a jump shot. It's a little harder for the other, other guys. So I think that those couple of guys would be our, our best options. Anyways, I guess we'll see how it goes. We're going to have to wait till the draft. This one should be coming out right before the draft. So let's see how accurate we are. One last question before we go, Gabe. And this one's yeah. a huge one. Um, do you see the Raptors moving up in, in the draft or looking to move up? Um, maybe trading some of our pieces away on our team right now to move up and get a higher draft pick? Tough question. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I think we, I think we could suit a good move. I'm not too sure what would be willing to give up, though. Um, I don't see them wanting to move Pascal just yet. I think they're going to give him another season to see how his play uh, plays out, if he's worth the money we gave him. And I think that we do have other guys that we like to keep, like Norman OG. I don't think I see enough of a crazy upside in one of these players that we would draft and give away too much of our uh, value, but it's possible for sure. Okay. All right, so that's it. We hope you all enjoyed. Please like and subscribe. Check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Check us out on Instagram at Rapsville. Thank you all for the support in the last couple episodes. Hopefully we continue to trend upward from here. And uh, yeah, that's us signing out. Peace. Peace.